We've been, uh, as we, Daniel spoke at the beginning, he said we've been cultivating this culture of generosity in New Life Church for many, many years. And one of the ways that we do that is uh, we are engaging with the other churches in this region to support a particular group of people in uh, Thailand through compassion, raising up uh, children. And so this is uh, our annual Compassion Sunday today. And our guest speaker this morning is my friend Mark Senner. And Mark, I wonder if you would join me on the platform this morning. Uh, Mark works for Faith City Church in Mandra. So the next time you're in Mandra and you're thinking, oh, where should we go visit? Faith City Church in Mandra is where you go visit. And you'll see Mark, his wife Priya, Angel and Israel. And you'll, you'll know all of them. Uh, after this morning, because they, they're with us this morning. Mark uh, and I first met in what we call the Geo Network space. So for those people who've got no clue about that, the entire metropolitan area and also many of the country towns are organised around local government authorities, which we call Geo Networks. And the pastors in those LGAs, which stands for local government authorities, good, some of you are still with me, good, uh, we gather together, and so many of you know that every Thursday morning I host some of the pastors from the city of Fremantle in the prayer room every Thursday morning. Some of these groups meet fortnightly, some meet monthly. They do different things, uh, but they work together. And Mark's been someone who's been uh, spearheading and influencing that and driving that down in Mandra, but also beyond. And uh, we just enjoy conversations. I rang Mark to double-check some details for this morning on, on Friday, and uh, we were able to wrap up our conversation after about an hour and ten minutes. And uh, we just seem to get on a roll. Every time we talk, we just enjoy being together. And so I'm really delighted that Mark is here representing compassion this morning and also to teach to us. So he's going to speak to us about compassion and he's going to bring a message. But first of all, Mark, put your stuff up here. I would like to pray for you if I could. Thank you. Father, we believe this is a divine appointment. This is by your hand. You have set this up for us and for Mark and his family. And God, we're praying for a double blessing, as Paul said in Romans 1. He talked about wanting to come and to see the church in Rome and wanting to give a blessing and also to receive a blessing from them as well. And God, that's our heart this morning, that uh, the Senna family would receive a blessing from being here with us in New Life Church. And we know, Lord, that you will bless us through the ministry of Mark and his family to further inspire and motivate us as your disciples in this region for your glory and honour, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Mark. It's great to have you. Thank you, Pastor Wayne. Thank you, Pastor Julie. It's so good to be here this morning. How are you all? Are you happy with the footy win yesterday? Well, I'm in Fremantle and we've come all the way from Mandra, so I... No wonder the worship's so good up here. <laughs> so, so good. And the Matildas. How about the Matildas winning? Real football. English football. Yes. Love those Matildas. That was a 10-point shootout at the end there. That was amazing. That was as good as the uh, FIFA, sorry, the World Cup with the blokes. Uh, the women are rising up. Amen. The women are rising up. In the things of God and the things of the world. Come on, women. (laughs) 
You've got a rocking band here, by the way. Thank you, worship team. All men, all men's uh, worship team. So good. And thank you, drummer. You, you keep him in a cage, I see. <laughs> so good to be in God's house and such an honor to be here with you today. Um, I'm just going to do two things. I'm going to give you a compassion missions update. We're going to also gather around God's word. How many of you have heard of compassion? That's pretty much all of you. So you make my job very easy this morning. As a pastor, I I do advocate for compassion in the kids because I see the amazing work that they do and how many kids get sponsored. But not only sponsored, uh, it's not just about sponsoring kids. It's about discipling them in the things of Jesus. And these kids get discipled. So I'm going to give you a couple of stats for New Life Church. Um, currently, as a church, you have 51 kids sponsored. Amen. And recently, in that number, 10 have come from the school. How amazing. Your school pumping. In the last 12 months, there has been 143 interactions through letter writing back and forth. That is amazing. Can I tell you, these kids have nothing. They don't have devices. where they. So when they receive a letter, it goes into their little history box because it shows them that someone is caring for them and loving them. You know, you've got 51 kids that are a part of the harvest of this church. So you could pretty much add another 51 chairs here, and that would be your harvest. But can I say that it's not just 51 kids? If we were to put 51 chairs out, behind each of those chairs would stand four to six family members who are also been impacted by the gospel and come into Christ. So that number of 51 actually looks more like 300 people that have come to Christ in the last few years because of your support in Thailand. Isn't that amazing? It's almost like without saying it and without branding it, there's another new life church in Thailand. 300 people. Thank you, three of you. That's so good. 300 people that have come to Christ because people in this church say, you know what, I'm going to sponsor a child. You know, I wish in Australia that one person would come to Christ and then their whole family would come to Christ. But it doesn't work like that here. We're all so individualistic. But this is the case in Asian countries. And you've got to know that not only are you impacting kids, you're impacting families and you're transforming communities for real it's actually happening because these kids go out and tell their friends when they receive jesus they just shine their light they're not afraid to shine their light can i just tell you a quick story in 2021 there was a little girl and she was eight years old and her dad died her dad was a laborer he did heavy labor and he would go daily to do heavy labor for his job But in 2021, this man died. And this little eight-year-old girl was left with just her mum and three little siblings. The mum actually had to go and replace the dad at the job and do heavy labor. 
And in, in 2021, this little girl got sponsored by somebody in Australia. And do you know what happened to that little eight-year-old girl? She got sponsored into a program, and then she met Jesus. And for eight months, she would go to church, get looked after, go home. She would go to church each day, learn about Jesus, be discipled. And for eight or nine months, she would go home and sing Christian songs at home because she had the joy of the Lord in her heart. And every day she would just sing songs because there's not much hope when you live in poverty. And this little child would go home daily and sing the songs that she would learn in church. Songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's all I know and that's all, I'm not even a singer. So, but that's what the sort of stuff she used to sing. And you know, by the eighth month, her mum receives Christ through her faith. And do you know when the mum received Christ, the other three siblings all received Christ and all of them go to church. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that so special? For each kid that is sponsored, the entire family is impacted. When they received the news, they received joy. I'll tell you why. Poverty sends a strong message to a child and to people living in poverty. Poverty says, give up. Poverty says, life is hopeless. Poverty says you are worthless. Poverty says nobody in this world cares for you. But when they receive the news that someone cares, you know, today we can send a message to the kids, more kids that someone cares. But when we send a message, we say you do matter. I see you. We do care. You are worth it. And Jesus loves you. That's the message we share with them. And that's the message that deconstructs the devil's operation through poverty in their life. It deconstructs it. If you want to set people free, let me tell you, there's no, this is a really good way of doing it because there's stats and figures to show exactly what happens. I want to tell, I want to ask you two questions today. You might be sensing that God wants you to step out. And let me tell you, it costs 11 bucks a week. Can I just tell you, you can't even get a, a whopper value meal for for 11 bucks these days everything's going up but for 11 bucks a week you can take a child right out of the grasp of the enemy and not only will they get education not only will they get nutritious food and clothing counseling even child protection officer that will check on them once a month, because there's so many avenues for people to, to, to take advantage of kids through, through poverty. They get all of that, plus they meet the Savior. And for generation 
two generations, poverty is broken over their life. For 11 bucks, can you believe that? Generation to generation. It's amazing. And then they transform their world. So if you sense that you want to, you want to talk about this further, I'm going to be up the back. I want to ask you, if you're a business person and you have a greater capacity and you want to sponsor a project, I'd love to talk to you about that at the end of the service. Again, I'll be up the back. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I pray that the Lord will use that in your life and you step out and um, bless somebody as you already are. You're already such a great church. How many of you love your pastors? That was pretty good. That was actually, I felt the warmth. Let's do that again, though, because I think we should lift the roof off. These guys are amazing. How many of you love your pastors? That's it. That's it. (laughs) They are amazing. And anywhere I go and I actually speak about these guys, it's kind of like there's this warm, loving respect towards this couple across Perth. Because they are fair dinkum and they're like, they're like, um, they're fair dinkum. They're real. They've got such great godly wisdom, a great depth in the word. They're connecting the church with its Jewish, Jewish roots so that we actually know who we are and what we're doing, which is really cool. And I want to tell you, they're so, <laughs> they're so respected. Anyone I talk to who knows these guys really love and honor them. And you've got to know what you have is great. You've got to know what you have because what God has given you is great. Amen. Uh, amen amen well i'm going to be speaking this morning and the title of my message is understanding the presence of god understanding the presence of god let's just pray just for a couple of seconds lord we we fix our eyes upon you this morning through our worship and as we gather around your word right now and lord we know you're in our midst right now And Lord, we don't want to treat you like you're somewhere else. Because you're here. And Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will move upon every heart this morning. Break our hearts so that we may see you even clearer, God. And Jesus, we are all open to hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you this morning, and this is probably a dangerous question because you are so rooted in the Jewish roots of things, (laughs) but I want to ask you, how many of you understand the presence of God? Understanding the presence of God. If you understand that, you you are halfway there. Your life will be so much better if you understand his presence and in your life. There's less stress. There's less worry. We can operate from a place of rest because we know that he's with us, right? The presence of God in Scripture actually starts in the Old Testament, as you know. And um, I've got this little prayer shawl, which I'll put on in a little moment, to actually illustrate a little bit of what that looks like. But I want to start, and my first point is the starting point. And we're going to go to Numbers 15, verse 37. Numbers 15, 
verse 37. Here we go. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel, tell them to make tassels on the corner of their garments throughout their generations. Even now, just to let you know, side note, this is still happening. And to put a blue thread into the tassels of the corners and you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that you may not follow the harlot tree to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. And that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. There's an interesting phrase in that scripture he says you are to make tassels on the hem of your garments let me just say that that is a, a crazy fashion statement uh, started a fashion trend started by god in the old testament it is a bit like the original ww ww was that jd band that we used to wear what would jesus do this is it in the old testament and so he says, when you look at it, you will remember that I am your God and where you have come from and where you go. Cut and I, Joe. I'm just going to put this prayer shawl on. What a prayer shawl looks like. And this thing here is called the tassel. And they put the tassel on. God commanded it to put the tassel on. And it has so much significance and spiritual meaning that we can learn today. I pray that you understand this. You'll, you'll grab onto this and it will mean so much to you uh, as you read throughout the Bible. So why did he command this? This is like the ultimate WWJD band. And they would wrap it around their hand like this. And they would walk around wrapped up in this thing like this in their hands it's the ultimate ultimate reminder of number one an invitation by god the father into a lifestyle of surrender and the reminder they would wrap it around their hands to remind them that if they were going to sin with their hands they actually act had to unwrap God in order to do something wrong with their hands, right? This is like kind of strange. It would be the equivalent of Pastor Wayne and Pastor Julie having a leaders meeting this week and saying, guys, we're going to get some tassels for our shirts and our blouses and we're going to wear them around church. It's, it's exactly the same. Like it's a kind of an odd thing to do, but it, it was done. But that was the reason why. So that they would not forget that they had were slaves and they came into the fullness of the promise. Now here's the issue. Here's the issue. When they were slaves, they had this sense of lack. How many of you have had this sense of lack? We're in a nation that keeps wanting more and more and more and more. But when we come to God, the fact is, we lack nothing. 
And his message to them was, once you were lack, now you lack nothing in me. You know, we're in a generation where, you know, we want more money. Got to have more money. How much money do we need? And so we get the first million, the second million, the third million. We're not there yet. You might be. But I'm just saying, people get their first million, they get the second, and then they still, where does it end? Like there's this lack on the inside. I'm not enough. I need to get more. People go from relationship to relationship. They might be on their sixth relationship looking for that thing to fulfill them, but for the last five have not. There's this lack on the inside of us and God is reminding his people that in him there's no lack. In the promise, there's no lack. The land flowing with milk and honey, there's no lack. And for us, that equivalent is that he's taken us from death to life. Outside of Christ to inside Christ. And when we have Christ... We lack nothing. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm getting excited this morning. <laughs> so he says, <laughs> put a tassel to remember it all. Put a tassel to remember that you're once in the world and now you're in Christ. Amen. So this garment here is called the talith, as you most likely know. The talith. The talith is a garment that's that symbolically represents the presence of God. How many of you knew that? Did you know that? Some of you say no. Some of you saying yes. That's good. I've got traction here. With you're learning something. <laughs> it symbolically represents the presence of God. And can I just say it is a scaled down version of the veil. Now, this all of a sudden got serious because you know what the veil separated people away from. It was the Holy of Holies, the presence of God and the glory of God. So this was a to scale version of the veil. But guess what? For us in Christ, it represents that all of the Holy of Holies, we live under that right now. And all of that glory is now on the inside of us. Can I just say to you right now, say it again. The whole of the Holy of Holies is upon you. There's no separation. We live under his presence. Everything that was inside the Holy of Holies that we were separate from is now available to us. And this represents under the new covenant the entire presence of God that rests upon each one of us what can what can't you do in him <laughs> what can't you do all things are possible thank you pastor you know you could, you could go into the holy of holies and die that's how strong his presence is now all of that presence lives upon you and in the new covenant, it says, all things are possible. Thank you, sister. She getting excited because all things are possible. All things, some things are possible. All things are possible. How many things? 
Come on out. Very excited of you. It's so good. We need some joy <laughs> because this is exciting. I think about this thing and, uh, and my brain goes mad because I think, man, no wonder Jesus had the presence of God on him when it, when it came upon him at the baptism and, and stuff started happening. Because all of that presence that we were separated from was now upon Christ. And then he says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit for you. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now resides within us. The same exact scale, size, power, presence that raised Jesus from the dead lives within me and you. All things are possible to them that believe. So the Talith represents my life that lives under his presence and in God he sees everything I do, everything I say and he's wherever I go. Right? If you were to ask a Jewish rabbi, how's your spiritual life going? He will say, everything is my spiritual life. The way, you know, the way we treat each other, that's my spiritual life. When someone cuts you off the road, that's your spiritual life. <laughs> Men, the way you treat your wives, that's your spiritual life right there. Because I cannot say, my God is over here in certain part of my life, and then my natural life is over here, because our natural life and spiritual life under his presence is one. It's all one. It's all the same under his presence. This represents his presence. Can I tell you today, it's not enough to carry the presence of God. It's how you carry the presence of God. And I'll tell you what I mean. My second point is, how do you carry the presence of God? There's context here. You know, over the last you know, 15, 20 years of being a pastor, one of the big things that happens when I'm pastoring, caring for people, and explaining truth from error, right? Quite often I'll get people, you know, I just feel the Holy Spirit's telling me this. And I say, why don't we just look at what the Scripture says about that situation? Because there's a point in there that we can seek to get. No, but I feel like, <laughs> do you know when we get to that stage of our life, very dangerous point of life to go by feelings. I feel the Holy Spirit said, I feel, man, everything the Holy Spirit says is in here. And he'll confirm with those around us, but not necessarily our three best buddies. Right? Right? Do you know when we start to feel stuff, we actually err on the side of new age. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I'm glad you asked. Why is that, Pastor? Listen to this. Every tassel, here's a tassel, you can check this out later, has five knots on it, just up this end. The five knots represent the Torah, the five books of the Bible. So it's not enough to carry the presence of God. It's carrying the presence of God connected to the word of God. Oh. We could have a one-month sermon on that, I think. It's the presence of God as it is connected to the Word of God. 
I used to be I used to be a youth pastor back in the day, so it comes out every now. I love youth. <laughs> and then between the knots is five spaces. Do you know what the spaces stand for? The four spaces? The four letters of the name of God. It is yud Hey vav Hey, which is the four letters of Yahweh. So it's not enough to carry the presence of God if it's not connected to the word of God and the name of God. But there's still more. It's not enough to carry the presence of God without understanding his name. And in the Hebrew, name means character. The character of God. So when we say, uh, you know, in his name, you know, when two or three are gathered, there is he in the midst. When I was like eight and I used to hear old people say that, I was like, he's not here. What are you joking because they're just making themselves feel better. That's what I thought when I was a kid. Two or three gathered in my name there, and and there was like two or three people in the room. But here's the thing. You can say that till the cows come home. It means nothing unless you gather in his character. You can put a banner with his name, but if you're not here in his character means nothing. Now he says, when you ask anything in my name, it will be given. What does that mean in character? When you ask anything in my character, it will be given. Just because you want to win $1 million on the lotto next week, I'm not quite sure that's in his character for your life right now, although he wants to bless you, right? (laughs) But that's the truth. So here's the thing. In Exodus 34, you can read the whole thing (laughs) because it's all good, but it gives us a snapshot of his character. And I read this particular summary of his character in about six different versions of the Bible. Read Exodus 34, you'll come to this. And it will talk about how the fact that that God, this is the primary framework for his character. God is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he has forgiveness. So his goodness comes not from the song, Goodness of God, although that is summary of this scripture. It actually starts here. The goodness of God is found in Exodus 34. And that's what we're singing about when we sing the goodness of God. We're actually singing about the fact that he's compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, And he's a forgiveness kind of God. Isn't that amazing? So that's his character. And so when I align my character to his character, that's when his presence starts to be made known through this vessel. Because Christ lived a a life that was totally aligned to the character of the Father. And he's showing us through the life of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will flow to the level of our yieldedness. He will always flow and manifest to the level of our yieldedness. And so Jesus was 100% yielded. Then the disciples later on, you see them, you know, a bit wobbly during the, you know, while Jesus was walking on the earth, but later on, 100%. 
yielded. So it's, it's as you carry his presence connected to the word, connected to the name, connected to his character, but there's still more. There are 613 sort of knots in this. Just 613. Do you know that 613 represents the commandments of God in the Old Testament? So by the time the Pharisees came to the scene in the New Testament, they had raised that to 2,000. That's why Jesus was ticked off with them. Because they made things so hard for the people. But there's 613 commandments. What does that mean? It's not enough to carry God's presence, but it's carrying his presence as it is connected to his word, his name, his character, and his ways. The ways of God. Without that... If we disconnect all of that, we actually end up on the side of new age because they're trying to figure out spirits disconnected from God's name, disconnected from his word, disconnected from his ways. Right? And so everything is connected to him. And ultimately, all of that is summed up in the grace of God. Do you know in Matthew 23, verse 5, Jesus said, Be wary of people who wear their tassels too long. (laughs) In other words, they have an appearance of godliness. You know, every time we have to show off our, our religiosity, there's something up with that. Because I know, and what he's referring to is when we walk closely with the heart of God, we are so conscious of our brokenness. That it humbles us to walk with him. It actually humbles us. So we don't need to announce announce how, how holy we are. That's what he's saying. Don't announce it. Don't announce it. Because people who are close to God are contrite in heart. Amen. I've got one for the men here. There's two bonus points here. I didn't put them up there, but they're bonus because I didn't think I'd get this far. You know, when we talk in Ephesians about the man is the covering of the house, it's again, you know, it looks like this, Christ in the home. Men, what's your character like? Do you reflect the character of God? Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving type of a man? Can, can your family say that about you? Because in Ephesians, it's, it does say women submit to your husbands. And I've heard that in an unbalanced way over the last 30 years. But it also says for the men to love the wives as Christ loves the church. In other words, you've got to take a scourge in. <laughs> you've got to be crucified to a cross. That's how much you need to love your wife. Right? That's what it means to carry the mantle of the home. Dear men, that's what it means to be a man of God, to align our character, to be humble, and to align it to the character of the Father. My last point is God moves 
through our movement. I look at this and I look at the life of Jesus. I look at the life of the disciples and I realize. And let me tell you, I love revival. Who loves revival? You've heard of all these revivals. Do you know, I look at that and I I think, do we have to wait for every hundred years for revival to hit? And I feel like that's not God's first plan. I think it's his backup plan. But his first plan is for his sons and daughters. Sons and daughters to carry his presence every single day with responsibility. I've heard many things about the last days. Some, be, some people believe there's going to be a massive re- revival. And I've, to, I've spoke to people that don't believe there's going to be any revival. And whichever side of the spectrum you're on, it's this that actually matters. <laughs> what happens today? Why does that matter? Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you know what he's actually saying? He's saying, the kingdom of God is now. So we have to ask ourselves, if not now, then when? But when we live, when we understand who we live under, all things are possible. All things are possible to them that believe. Do we have any people that believe here? Oh, look at that. That's awesome. Let's give the Lord a hand. I just feel to pray. Can we just be upstanding? God's going to touch your life this morning. All things are possible. All heads are bowed. All eyes are closed. Sometimes we have to repent for treating Jesus like he's somewhere else. Because his very presence is with us. I've seen his presence fall in the worst high school in our region. I've seen him fall in secular schools, in PDs, in staff meetings where they don't even know him. We carry his presence. If you've been treating like if you've been treating Jesus like he's been living somewhere else, would you put up your hand? I want to pray for you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Be bold. Put up your hand because God is going to use you. This is a turning point. There's hands all around here today. Can I be bold to say come forward to the front? Would that be okay, Pastor? Would you come with me and stand at the front? I'll tell you why. This altar is a place of encounter. The altar is a place of encounter in the Bible. God is going to fill you afresh today with his presence and his power. Some of you are going to see people saved. Some of you are going to see people healed. You're going to carry the very touch of God wherever you go. If I can have a prayer team to come and pray, let's pray together and seek him and repent of treating Jesus like he's somewhere else when he's right in our midst. You know, if you treat someone like they're there, guess what happens? They're there. You treat Jesus like he's here and he will appear. He's going to appear to each one of you.
he's going to appear. He's going to make his name and presence strong to each one of you. In Jesus' name. Amen.